We're right in the middle of a message series called The Working Life, and we've been looking at some key perspectives at work because, honestly, we spend a lot of time working. You know, the average person spends, I don't know, I don't know how they calculated this, but we got the stat, 90,000 hours in the course of your life at work or working on things, and if you just smushed all those hours together, that's 10 and a half years straight of working. So since we spend so much time at work and on the job and doing things that are, are assigned to us, it's so important to have the right perspective and to go about doing it the right way because, honestly, it would be far better for us to enjoy what we're doing than to just grind it out and to be worn down by all the things that we have to do. Actually, Proverbs talks about the fact that um, the ability for us to enjoy our work, for us to enjoy what we do, that's a gift from God. That's something that God uh, enables us to enjoy, and he wants, God wants us to enjoy our work. And so that's why we're looking in his word today in these few weeks about doing it in a way that's in line with his instructions. So what we've been talking about the first week when this series launched, we talked about the fact that, first of all, work is from God. God himself is a worker. He created the world, and then, and then he gave work for us to do. And because of the way things went down in history, Work became something that's uh, a, a toil. It's, it's hard. It's called work. It's, it's difficult. But it's also a blessing. So it's a blessing and a curse all at the same time, at least while we're here, we're here still on earth. The second week, which was last week, we looked at the way you approach your work and just the, the, the way you do your work is wholehearted as opposed to half-hearted. You know, it's easy to, to slide between those things. And this week, we're looking about another aspect of work. And you can't, you can't really talk about the spectrum of employment without talking about one person in particular. There's kind of a central figure for all of us when it comes to work, and that is the boss. You know, the head honcho, the boss man. There's all these slang terms. The alpha, the top dog, or just simply put, the man. <laughs> there's, there's all these terms that we use for the boss. You know, this, this guy, he gets a lot of attention, or this woman. And for, for all of us, we grow up under... A boss. We grow up under authority. For all of our lives, we're under authority or bosses of, of some kind or another. As kids, our parents are our bosses. You know, they, I don't know if you've ever said or if your kids have ever said, you're not the boss of me. You know, we, we, we understand that this structure exists. Teachers were our bosses in school, authorities over us. And then, you know, if you're like me, you started working in high school and you've had a string of jobs with uh, bosses of all kinds of different personalities and styles. And so, you know, at... We have work and we have bosses and we have authority. And the one thing that I find interesting about authority in our lives is that uh, in our society, it seems the norm to have a low opinion of the authority. You know, when you talk about the boss or the man, you're already, you're already thinking negative connotations, right? And the truth is that we, we have this uh, innate desire to resist authority that's, that's kind of in us. It's super common. I mean... I don't know how long you can watch any TV show without seeing someone, you know, resisting authority or, or going around someone or, or actively, you know, speaking against someone. Same thing with music. This, is, this kind of saturates our culture, our hearts even. And not only is it normal in the sense that it's, w- this idea of resisting authority is, is all over the place, but it's almost seen as a rite of passage. You know, to resist authority, it, in a way, is sometimes commended or, you know, you applaud someone that, you know, sticks it to the man, or, you know, they, they, they show them what they got coming, or they go against and do their own way. And uh, this idea of being a rebel, 
has an appeal to us. I don't know if you've ever been to Blaze Pizza in Riverside, uh, in this city, <laughs> in uh, the Central Plaza, and uh, which they have really great pizza. So if you don't have any plans for lunch, you can go there. But they have they have these funny slogans. Every time I go in, I just think it's funny. They they have these signs all over. You know, on, on employees' T-shirts, they have the phrase "Unfollow the rules," or on the walls, they'll have these these statements like. Uh, cause a scene every day, or make waves. And the funny thing about it is that I don't think Blaze Pizza actually wants their employees to unfollow their rules. And I don't think they want customers to, you know, cause a scene every day. But it just, you know, it just points to the fact that there's an appeal to that for us, to to blaze our own trail and to do what we think is best, and to resist authority if necessary. And so you may have experiences resisting authority. I've I've got a stack of them. One, One time, uh, one, a few years ago, and I was looking for work. I was in the, it was in the middle of the summer, and I needed a job, and so I found a painting job on Craigslist. And so, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of, of the quality of this job. It, you know, I didn't really know what was involved, and, and a lot of the employees didn't really know what to do, but it was our job to go around and uh, talk to residents and, and get jobs painting houses and eaves and shutters. One of the houses we were at, we were painting a driveway gate, uh, one of those big gates that opened up and it had those tiny perforated holes. It was a steel gate with perforated holes, tons of tiny ones. And since we didn't know what we were doing, you know, we were just painting, we rolled it, and basically all the holes got filled solid. So the gate was just like a solid mass of steel brownness. And uh, we didn't know what we were doing. I'm not a painter. I'm still not a painter, even after that job. And, uh, and so when we finished, we finished the house, we got everything else done, my supervisor, my boss, told me to come back, I'd have to come back the next day and fix the gate and figure out how to get all those holes cleared out. And so I was, I was frustrated, so I was driving back, already starting the day off frustrated, and um, I was working on it. I, I started with paint thinner, I was trying to use sandpaper to kind of scratch it out. Didn't really know what I was doing. Like I said, I, I, I got toothpicks. I was trying to poke them out. That didn't work. I bought a lighter from the store trying to burn it out. I, didn't, I tried anything. <laughs> I was so frustrated. And the whole time I was working, I was mad at my suit, my boss. I was, he didn't, first of all, he didn't show me how to paint the gate right the first time. And then he didn't give me the tools or the ability to, to fix what I was doing now. And so I'm, you know, hours in the sun by myself at this house working on this thing and getting more and more frustrated and, and wanting to resist what I was told to do. And so finally I did actually give up. I didn't even maybe do like a quarter of it. And I was driving home, called my supervisor and told him that I was done and that if the gate wasn't good enough, he could poke out the rest of the holes himself. <laughs> so, so yeah, there, there's me, okay. Uh, so we have, this is common to us. I didn't have that job for very long. I don't know if you can figure that out, but it wasn't a good experience. It, it, it did help grow some things in me. But this thing is in us, this desire to resist authority, to resist what we're told to do. You know, we don't want that. In fact, there's, there's a few common reasons for all of us why we resist. One of the reasons is I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I don't want to be told what to do. You know, this is something that wells up within us. There's a pride. I have a few Im- images that kind of um, internet memes that, that, that display the flow of thought in our culture. Here's a picture that describes this a little bit. I would let you leave early, but I just thought of 20 random tasks that I need you to complete first. So this is, this is the boss, that guy who just tells us what to do. Um, another reason that we resist is my idea is better. I don't want to do what I'm told to do because honestly, I have, a, I have an inside angle on what needs to be done and my idea trumps my boss's idea. And if he would see it my way, actually I would do it. But uh, here's, here's another image. 
here's your great idea, takes credit for it, and gets promoted. <laughs> um, another reason that we resist authority is my idea is easier. It may not necessarily be, <laughs> be better, but if I do what the boss wants me to do, it may take more time. It may require more effort for me, more research, more, more of this and that, more hours. I've got to go home later, and I just want to do what I want to do. Um, and then here's, here's one more reason that we often resist is I don't respect my boss. And this comes up a lot. You know, this may be a result of char- you know, your boss's character. Maybe they're just their personality or style of leading. And, you know, you may be thinking, like, I don't, how can I follow someone that I don't respect? Honestly. Here's another image. Bosses will be like, you still coming to work, right? <laughs> so... So if my boss doesn't seem to care about me, my boss doesn't seem to care about anyone else but himself, if he, you know, if he won't respect me, then I won't respect him. And these are thoughts that we have that start this trickle of this flow of, of resistance. And honestly, the, the core problem for any human authority, bosses or leaders of any kind, is that none of the leaders or bosses I have ever had were perfect and infallible. And so sometimes if we actually do what the boss says the way the boss wants it done, it may take more time. It may it actually may waste time and multiply problems. This is this is just a natural outflow of the fact that, you know, none of us are perfect. And so, this this uh, response of resistance is in all of us, and it's in our world. And there's just something within us that gets adversarial, sometimes even aggressive, against those in authority over us. And if you start going down this path and you start thinking about these things, like while I was working on that gate, I just these thoughts were going through my mind. And it's like a force that just pulls you farther and farther away from wanting to do what you're told to do. And so in, in this situation, um, your defenses go up because no one's going to take advantage of me. I'm not going to put myself in a position where, you know, the boss can take advantage of me. When your defenses go up, productivity goes down the drain, and actually so does enjoyment. Your ability to enjoy your work goes down when this is swirling around in your mind and your heart. And so... You may encounter some of these thoughts regularly. Uh, you may even think, you know, what is your relationship with your boss like currently? Is, is your relationship, is it gelling? You may be in a positive work environment, or, or is it wearing you down? You know, for, for any of the leaders in your life, how easy is it for you to submit and follow the leadership over you? And, and who is it for you? It may not actually necessarily be uh, an employer that you have, but there may be, there's, there's leaders over you if you're, um, you know, if you're married, your leader is, could be your husband. It could be, if you're in church like ours, there's, there's a leadership structure here of different kinds. Um, and any organization is like that. Or even law. You know, there's, there's things that we, there's authorities we need to follow and obey. And so where is the friction for you? Where is, you know, the, the constant clashing of ideas? Um, you know, so dealing with, with authority in this way can really be frustrating. It can just be discouraging. It can, it can just make you feel like you ruin your day. Um, in fact, you know, the ones that are above you, it may feel like, you know, your, your boss may have the potential to ruin your day. Or, or even if you don't work on the weekends, you could feel like, they, they could ruin my weekend just by the way things go down in the week. Um, you may experience these spikes of emotion of just, you know, intense frustration or discouragement. You may even have a desire to retaliate. You know, if the authority is telling you to do something, you don't want to do that. It's been grinding you down. You may be like, I'm not, I'm not even a revengeful person, but I wouldn't mind seeing them get what's coming to them. You know, this, these people can push your buttons, and um, the toll of stress on us, you know, it, there's, a really, there's a big impact. And so 
This is, this is a normal thing that we experience with leaders and authority over us. But the good news is, and there is good news, is that God doesn't want us to be stuck in frustration. God doesn't want us to, to be working so many hours of our lives and have it be a bitter experience. Work is always going to be work, and there's going to be uh, you know, a, a toil about it. But there, there is a way for us to gain enjoyment in it. And God has given us not only the instructions on how to do that, but God gives us the motivation we need to press through in these situations that don't necessarily involve getting a job transfer or you know, retaliating against the boss. So when we look at the instructions that God has given us, we find that, first of all, and you can follow along on your listening guide, that God wants us to follow our leaders in a way that pleases him. God wants us to follow our leaders and do it in a way that pleases him. So we're looking at, in, in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, um, we're going to start in verse 22. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And, and you see the word slaves and masters here. When this was written, this letter, in the Roman Empire during New Testament times, slavery was a very normal part of life. Uh, actually, it was as normal as you and I going to work, uh, just the way the economic structure was set up. Almost a third of the population was involved in slavery. And so this was written to slaves. And because of that, it, it may seem like there's a ray of hope for us that we don't have to do what it says. But, think, you know, in our country, slavery has been abolished. But this passage still applies to our work, and you're going to see how it does. Uh, you know, for us, when we get hired, we, uh, we get paid to do a specific job. Our employer hires us to do a task or get something in particular done, and we contract ourselves to do what is laid out in the job description and also to take our place in the organizational structure that exists there. So in this passage, we're going to look at the way to work in a way that pleases God, in the way that we relate to our boss, and in the way that we carry out our job description. You may be uh, a stay-at-home mom, or, or for some others, you may not have a formal boss or employment, or, or maybe you are a boss, but every day, all of us, you know, throughout the week, we have stuff to do. I mean, there's work on our plates to get done. And you also, we all have leaders and authority over us in different ways. And so you can think through how, how this passage applies to your situation. Uh, so right off the bat, you know, we see that... Uh, we please God when we do everything that we're told to do. You know, it says, obey your earthly masters in everything. And this first line is <laughs> sort of like a smack in the face. Obey, you know, our masters in everything. Uh, this, that word obey, the, this was originally written in Greek, the New Testament was. And this word obey, if you translate it literally, it's the word hupakuo, and it literally means to hear under. It means to hear under. Under. And so as Christ followers, you know, for those of us that have decided to commit our, our lives to Jesus Christ and do things his way, we put ourselves under the boss, you know, willingly put ourselves under the boss, listen to what they say, and then do what they want and do what they tell us to do. And the way it plays out is that, you know, your boss has a circle of responsibility. Your boss has got things that he's responsible for to get done and accountable for. And because of that, the boss has the authority to decide and give direction to everything that needs to be done and also the way that it needs to be done. And so it, it pleases God. We see here it pleases God when we choose to put ourselves under the boss and to do what they're telling us to do. 
So essentially, it's, it, when you get hired, it's basically your job to make the boss successful in a way. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not about just making the boss successful and I'm going to make sure I do it the easiest way possible. As long as I get the job done, I'm going to cut the corners that I can. You know, it's not make the boss successful and I'll make sure I get some credit for me along the way so people notice my work and then, you know, I can keep moving up. You know, it's not make the boss successful, but I'm going to drag my feet so everyone knows how much of a challenge this is and how much it's grinding me down. So if we look here in Colossians, um, we'll read on. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with two things, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Sincerity of heart, you know, what does that mean? Have you ever signed, you know, a letter, you know, sincerely, you know, your name? What, what that means is to have a singular motive, to be singularly focused and, um, and wholly focused on, on one thing. And for us, as we work to be, to have sincerity of heart is really just to have the, the goal of making the boss successful by accomplishing what, what they've given us to do and doing it in the way that they say to do it. And so, uh, not only sincerity of heart, but in reverence for the Lord. This is the way that we work. Uh, reverence for the Lord is, you know, we have to realize that God pays attention, you know, to the way that we're working and, and will actually respond to us accordingly. You know, I, I have to know that every day God pays attention to the work that I get done. I mean, I have things to do and I, and I, get, I do them in a certain way and God's paying attention to the details and he also pays attention to the way that I, I treat my boss, the way I treat my coworkers while I'm working. And so, and, and that's what it is to have reverence for the Lord. And so we see, you know, this really turns our focus to why we should be careful to do what the boss says. The next point is, is that we draw our motivation from the Lord. Doing everything that we're told to do. So already you may be feeling like, okay, I got to do everything. They're telling me to do. Yeah, that sounds real easy. Um, actually, it's a real challenge. And it's the challenging part about it is to stay motivated over the long run and, and persisting and following and, and to keep following well and to keep obeying. It's really hard to stay motivated. Um, so let's look on in, in verse 23. Whatever you do, that covers a pretty wide range of things that you could possibly do. <laughs> whatever you do, whatever, whatever you spend your time on, whatever your job is, Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. This passage is showing us that, you know, since it's the Lord Jesus Christ that we're serving, it's a little bit nearsighted to just be focused on our boss at work. That's, that's not seeing far enough. Um, you know, it, it's, too, it's too little just to be focused on any of the leaders over us in authority. And so God is our boss. God is the ultimate boss above all the other bosses. And um, if, you, if that perspective kind of gets muddled and lost in the background, then it's really easy, it's really tempting actually, to allow our relationship with our bosses to dictate the quality of our work. So, you know, for example, if if the relationship with your boss isn't that good or if you have a poor view of him, then it's really easy just for the kind of work that we produce to, to trail off and to not have all that much quality. Because if the goal is just to make the boss happy, then our motivation is going to dry up. <laughs> it's going to come to an end because, especially if you have a difficult boss, 
staying motivated just to please them, you know, you're going to run out of juice. But um, as Christ followers, you know, we're working in a way to please the Lord. Pleasing God is our goal. And he's, he's actually showed us how we can do that. And so our motivation can stay strong over the long run. This idea was captured pretty well by a commercial from the 70s. I don't know if you've ever had a Hebrew national hot dog. And uh, they, they, ha- they have a really good slogan. They've, they've changed it recently. But um, in the 70s, they, their whole marketing strategy was based off the fact that the government had certain regulations about you know, what you could put in a hot dog, but their regulations were higher. You know, the government didn't restrict um, you know, preservatives, but Hebrew National wasn't even going to touch them because their, their whole slogan was, we, um, we answer to a higher authority. And so, which is kind of a great picture of how, you know, as God's people, that's how we live and work. We ans- There's authorities in our lives, but the one that we ultimately answer to is much higher and has a different set of standards. So whatever job you have, whatever is the nature of the work that fills your day, that fills your week, we can stay motivated and keep working hard and treating our bosses well um, if we set ourselves to please God ultimately. And it, it really is much more motivating. If we look beyond, you know, the people in the workplace, look beyond, um, you know, the situation that we're in, if you set out to make God look good in the way that you're working, then he will come through to supply the energy and the motivated needed to do that. So, so working hard, we were talking about following well and working hard and, and also being cheerful in your work. Last week we talked about, you know, whistling while you work and the attitude while you're working wholeheartedly. That, all of that may come fairly naturally, if you've got a great, refreshing work environment, <laughs> if you have a boss that inspires you to action and, and uh, you thoroughly enjoy your kind of work, you, know, that, you may not have to think too hard about the whole following thing. But what if you're stuck taking direction from a difficult boss? Or what if you're stuck taking direction from a difficult husband if he's your leader? You know, honestly, what, what if your boss is kind of a jerk? You know, that could be the case. There, there, there do exist some bosses in that category. And, you know, if we work, um, if you work in an environment where it's discouraging and, um, you know, challenging and, and even your boss could even be oppressive against you, then if that's the case, then it's really easy to just justify going slack in our work. It's really easy just to let that kind of give us the pass uh, on staying motivated and, you know, you just kind of ask, like, how much can I negotiate this whole wholeheartedly thing? You know, can, can, I, can I cut some corners here? But the Bible shows us that as Christians, we follow even when the boss is difficult. For Christ followers, we follow even when the boss is difficult. I had a boss, one of the, one of the guys in this category for me, I was working in a kitchen, really big kitchen, you know, served thousands of people, and the, the chef or the boss over me, was um, gave me consistently, me and all the other employees, such a hard time, you know, would insult me. In fact, I was one of the lower supervisors, and so he would, you know, ride me about the smallest details, and, and he would even blame, he would do things wrong and then blame me for it. And my desire to stay motivated and cheerful on the job was, like, waning <laughs> daily. <laughs> and uh, I had, you know, a real temptation to cut corners. If he wasn't going to check on it, I'd cut the corners, or, you know, I would come home, just frustrated and dark and moody, and my wife would, you know, have to experience the, the brunt of that. And, you know, I honestly don't know if I can say in that time if I pleased God in the way that I followed that, that boss, that chef. 
at least not the majority of the time. And I kind of felt at his mercy. You know, that chef who, who was oppressive against me, I felt at his mercy. And for, you know, employees or really followers, if any kind, if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling somewhat out of control, then it's really easy to result to boss bashing. You know, if you want, there's, there's always common ground for the employees in the, at the job. There's always common ground in boss bashing. If you want to make a friend real quick, just start picking apart the boss with some other people and you got a crowd already forming, you know? And, and it's just, it comes so natural to us. It's easy for us to do it. And, and the reason is because, you know, at least if, if everything's out of your control and you, you can't pick anything that's going on in your job, at least you can pick apart the, the boss and you're in control over that at least. And um, the more challenging the environment it seems like the easier those complaints are just like ready to kind of like come shooting out of your mouth. You know, for me, if if I'm doing somewhat of a good job keeping my complaints to myself, as soon as someone else just says something that I agree with about the boss, it's so hard not to chime in, you know, and let the boss bashing begin. But one thing, you know, we need to learn is that, need to realize is whenever we complain, it exposes a mistrust in God. Whenever we complain, it's really like, questioning God's judgment because if God was the one you know as is providentially over uh, the leaders in our lives and our authorities if he's the one that, that puts us in the jobs that we have then really to complain about our situation is to, to really question God's judgment and putting us there a complaint may ultimately reveal a thought like you know God must not be strong enough to change this situation for me right now or maybe He's not wise enough to figure out how to get me out of this, how to get me a new job yet. I should have a new job by now. Or, or maybe he's just, maybe he can give me a new job, but he's not good enough or doesn't care about me enough to get me out of this situation. Or sometimes it's just a matter, you know, I, I could have done a better job than my boss in, in making that decision. Or, or maybe I would have been, made a better boss. And so these, these thoughts of complaint, this is a serious charge against us when this happens, but it comes so naturally for us. And, and you may even be able to think, you know, when, when was the last time that you criticized a leader in your mind? Sometimes, you know, you don't necessarily speak on it, but in your minds, uh, we, can, we can pick, you know, the, our leaders apart. It may be a boss or it may be a husband or, or any other leader in your life. And um, the, the, the negative effect is that complaining, uh, a complaining attitude makes our real boss, who's God, look bad. You know, we voice our complaints and it makes God look bad, who happens to be the, universe, the, the ruler of the universe. So the truth is that God could change your circumstances. You know the, 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 you know, the bad jobs that I've had, God could change my circumstances just as quickly. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't change it, it means that he has some purpose in mind for keeping it that way. And so the, what, what we can respond with is the fact that we can bear up under the discouragement, you know, in a difficult work environment. You can, you can keep going. You can keep even enduring an impressive boss. You can keep working towards the success of your leaders even when it's difficult. In fact, um, if we do choose to do this, if we choose to follow well a leader who is harsh against us, then this pleases God. Well, let's take a look at the way this is described in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. There's that word respect again. Submit yourselves with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate. That would actually be pretty easy. That, that comes naturally. Someone's good to you and considerate, you know, you respect them. 
but also to those who are harsh. It's so hard to respect someone who is harsh to you. It, it actually, it, sometimes it feels impossible. It feels like it goes against everything within you to respect, to choose to respect. But, but here we see it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God, because he is aware that God is his ultimate boss. God is ultimately in control. And so instead of just you know plucking us out of every difficult circumstance that we're in when it comes to work, God uses everything for our good, and he uses it to grow us. He uses difficult and trying situations to um, expose to us character in us that needs to grow, to change or grow. He uses these, these trying, um, pressure-filled situations to allow us to, to move forward in life. And so a difficult work environment is actually a training environment for God to grow us. A difficult work environment, it may feel difficult, but it's actually training grounds to grow us further. In our society, you, you actually don't have to do this. You, can, you don't have to keep working under a difficult boss. If you want, you can just go look for another job. You can put your two weeks in. You, you, you could, actually, you could just not put your two weeks in and go find, try to find another job. You know, it is hard to find a job, and a lot of people are looking, but you know, if, if you feel like you've reached your limit, you can just say, I'm done. But as Christ followers... Um, those of us that are trying to please God in the way that we work, one thing that you cannot do is to stay in your job and to keep boss bashing and, and keep talking bad about the boss. One thing, another thing we cannot do as Christians is to stay in our job but then excuse poor quality work be, just because the conditions aren't right, because things aren't lining up for us. And the reason is if we do that, it reflects poorly on God. And, and, and truly our, our aim is to please God in the way that we're working. So we find that you know, one point of encouragement to us is that we can accept adverse conditions as on-the-job training from the Lord. Sometimes you want to bail. Sometimes you want to just say, you know, I, I've reached my limit. I, I shouldn't be treated this way. I've been pushed beyond my desire to keep enduring under this. And I'm out. It's time for a new job. And God, who is ultimately our boss, this is one thing you need to consider first, is that he may have a specific point of training in mind for us when we're in those situations. Before you change leaders, you know, you, you may want to be sure that the problem you're experiencing isn't necessarily a problem that's within you. And uh, that, that if, if the source of the problem is, is truly us, maybe some issue of our character, then, you know, you can move to a new environment, you can get a new job, the boss has a new face, but you may still deal with the same problem because wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> You'll still be there. And so, you know, God's training might not yet be over. Um, if the lessons of endurance are not learned, if, if the lessons of sub- submitting and following are not learned, you may find new work but the same challenging conditions. You know, for me, if I resist my leaders, God may recycle that lesson in the form of a new boss. So if we take a step back and we just look at, you know, the things that we've discussed, you know, what is, what is the impact of following well, maintaining an attitude of respect, even in difficult conditions. You know, we just see, you know, we need to do that. But what's the impact? If we do that, what is the impact? One thing is that people take notice. You know, if you're in a harsh situation, all the employees know that this boss is is being a real pain, but you still choose to respect and to work hard, that's going to stand out every time. It's going to be so apparent to others that, you know, and, and actually may even 
um, open the door to re- the realization that following Jesus Christ really does make a difference in, in difficult situations. And, and even in this, it, you know, it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain. Commendable means, it means noteworthy. It means, wor- you know, worthy of praise. It's something that's going to grab attention. And, you know, for us to, to, to do that in a work environment is to shine like a star. You know, Philippians chapter t- talks about uh, if we refrain from, from complaining and arguing, that, that leads us to shining like a star in the universe. And I was actually just in Joshua Tree a couple of days ago, and at night, the sky is just utterly black, as black as you can get. But the stars are, are super brilliant. You, there's no mistaking where there's a star and where there is not because of the stark contrast in the way that they shine. And, and the Bible is telling us that we have the opportunity to have that kind of impact in our workplaces. Other people may take notice, and it may serve as a powerful witness for the impact that following God's um, instructions has in life. So when we decide to follow Jesus Christ, uh, you're really called to live your ultimate purpose. And what that is, is to glorify God and, and glorify the one who made you. And so, you know, for us to, to listen to our, our bosses here on earth and to do what they say and, and follow in the way that they want it, that makes God look good. It, it puts us in a place to, to glorify God and to enjoy what we're doing. There's no way we can enjoy what we're doing if we're stuck in, in the complaints and, the, and the, you know, the poor quality work. But if we really are motivated to serve God, then we can enjoy what we're doing, even if it's a tough job. So can you imagine, you know, what if, what if you did have a positive work experience? What if it wasn't a negative, bitter, draining, grueling thing all the time? You know, sure, work is still going to be work, and it's hard, and that's why we get paid for it. But regardless of, you know, what if it was, it didn't matter necessarily, you know, your exact pay or relationship with your boss or, or the hours that you had or, or even the, the impact on your body and your mind. But at the end of the day, what if the question was, did I please God in the way that I worked today? You know, what could be the impact if all of us, all of us here, we went to work this week, went to our jobs, worked hard and thorough, followed well, and kept an upbeat attitude? How would that affect your workplace? How would it affect your coworkers or, or even your relationship with your boss? How would it affect your family <laughs> instead of, you know, coming home to complain about the boss and this and that and the work? What if it changed to, today was a hard day at work, but I thank God for another day to work for him. As I wrap up the message today, I just want to uh, ask you to pull out that connection card again that is in your bulletin. Worship team and ushers, you can uh, come up to the stage and prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. On that card, you can uh, complete any additional information and drop that card in the offering basket as it comes around. The next steps that you see on, on your paper or on your, on your connection card, those are next steps that you can use to, to just apply something new that you learned or apply something that maybe you were just reminded of. Um, so one of the next steps is to memorize Colossians 3.23. And that's the one that says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. If this is something that you memorize and you, and you lodge it within your heart, it can be a mainstay for you to, to be solidly rooted in the right perspective while you're working. Another next step is um, to ask God to show me ways that I'm resisting following the leader over me. You, you may have some that have come jogged to your mind already, but maybe there, there's, there's more that God wants to reveal to you in the way that you follow and work. Um, and so you can ask him for his help. You know, just each day as you go to work, as you prepare, you know, for work this week, or even if you work today even, 
You know, you can ask God to help you. He'll help you work in a way that's pleasing to him and, and a, a great way to follow. So I'm going to take a moment to pray for our, our day and, and for the offering. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your word. It is so important to us, to me, Lord. Um, you show us a way to work and, to, and really to live that is so much better than our default, than our knee-jerk reaction when we're in a difficult time is to not do things in a way that honors you. But, but you give us the path that, that cuts through our sin nature and it shows us a way that we can, we can live and enjoy what we're doing and also glorify you and, and what better thing is there. So I thank you, Father, for your word and revealing it to us. Help us to work thoroughly this week. Help us to, to really identify those pressure points where we need to submit and follow. Also pray for the offering this morning, Lord. I pray that you would bless it. Thank you so much for the, for the funds that you, you bring to this church and this organization and those that you've prompted to, to extend generosity. Pray for your blessing um, on all of us as we, as we try to apply your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.